You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Claret and Blue podcast. Uh, once again, post-match review, I'm James. That's John and we're back after Matt and Dan graciously jumped on after the match to uh, entertain you after a 1-1 draw with, uh, with Brentford FC. Newly promoted Brentford, of course, Dean Smith's older hunting ground and a... Uh, Thomas Franks. Uh, we've had a few encounters with them over the years uh, under different guises or with different players in different leagues, John. Um, but I wanted to know how you kind of your initial thoughts of that game before we get into things. Yeah, I think to be honest, I think just the start of the season in general has been very disrupted, very, very much not the way that Dean Smith would have liked to start the season. So I think every game you got to kind of take into um, consideration. But I thought basically fair play to Brentford. I thought they were, they were you know um, very good on the day. Um, there's not much we, not much more than what we could have done. I thought, you know, having a 17-year-old in midfield, plenty of players out through injuries and COVID. Your vice captain and your captain as well. It's hard to analyse the game really um, because of you know so many different circumstances. Um, but still unbeaten at home, only two games gone, obviously. But to, it's another point on the board at the end of the day. Um, I think Smith after the international break will just look at look at where we are and almost start the season from there, if you like. Um, but in terms of the game, I thought we were okay in patches in the first half. I thought, you know, like Svel Ghazi, we were, um, you know, stars. Um, certainly certainly could have forced an advantage. Um, Danny Ings um, having his strike inside about the six-yard box, wasn't it, um, to take a 2-1 lead. But obviously, good save by David Rea. Um, but no, ultimately, I think it's another point on the board. Again, there's not much we can take from this. I think Tyron Mings before the game saying things like um, European football probably is an aspirational, you know, aim. Um, for this season, maybe that sort of calmed the um, the ambitions amongst, amongst the squad, yes. or maybe that's a good thing, almost something to aim for um, towards the back end of the season. Almost flip last season into this season, almost you know a slow start maybe, but then pick it up towards the end. Um, we'll see, but ultimately, yeah, um, another point on the board, decent decent showing. Um, nice to see Chukamaki get his debut as well. Yeah, I mean, you could, it's, it's like the uh, the Villa saying now. I think you've heard four different members of the squad saying you can't be too highs with the highs, too lows with the lows. And yeah. It does make sense. As frustrating as it is for you know, as a fan, as as yourself, you know, writing about the club, um, it is frustrating to kind of because it seems like, like almost an excuse. But look, we're, we're three games in. It's a clean slate heading into the national international break. We've had the loss, had the win, we've had the draw. We can uh, regroup and go forward. We haven't had the full strength squad as well. I think that's exemplified in this this Brentford match. Um, didn't have your first choice midfielder in John McGinn. Arguably, didn't have your second in uh, in Jacob Ramsey. Didn't have yeah. the. Uh, of course, you don't have Jack Grealish. You don't have the guy on the left wing. He's coming to you know. We don't have Leon Bailey, and you don't have Tyrone Mings as well. And you have to say there's a lot of difficulty there for Villa on a match day. And Brentford have taken the game to teams this season. Beat Arsenal day one in the Premier League. Um, Scott, you know they opened the doors against us. Scored early doors. So difficult, difficult match. They had the physicality. As well, so you know you can say, look, it's newly promoted Brentford at home. We should be beating them. I totally agree. We shouldn't be losing at Villa Park. We should be doing our best. Team should be coming to Villa Park, hoping for the draw. In all honesty, um, with the atmosphere we can create there, but they made it very difficult for Aston Villa. And you can only play the game that's in front of you. And they made, uh, you know, that they they enforced their plan on Aston Villa, and we had to react, John. And I thought we reacted okay. We got the goal, but. The win was there with Ollie Watkins late on as well. We could have pushed a bit more to make those chances and asked a few more questions of Brentford, despite the height differences, the differences in physicality, the difference in a gel team that's had that plan for the whole year. Even with our rotated team, I felt we could have done a little bit more there, John. 
Yeah, no, I agreed. Uh, I think go, I think you mentioned there they're going behind, like what Brentford did against Arsenal. You, you would have thought oh, Arsenal will come back into this one now, and um, you know Emil Smith Rowe and you know different players for Arsenal certainly came close. Um, but we came close. Obviously, we scored. I mean, when there and it was almost that. I thought the crowd really got behind the team as soon as Brentford scored. Almost pushed the ball into the into the north end. Um, but yeah. I think after the game, speaking to Thomas Frank as well, he was almost disappointed that Brentford didn't win. Um, so that kind of tells us what Brentford's ambitions are this season. You know, they're no mugs, Brentford. They'll, I don't think they'll be in a relegation scrap this season. Um, even though a lot of people tipped them, obviously all three promoted teams to get um, relegated this season. Um, there's always one that will surprise teams. And to be honest, Brentford didn't really surprise me in the way that they've started this season. Wendy's goal was the first goal that uh, Brentford have conceded this season. Um, playing Palace, who've obviously got good attacking, um, good attacking options, and obviously Arsenal as well. Um, so I think that's a that's a positive, and it's positive that we scored about seven minutes after um, Tony scored as well. And, yeah. You know, for a Brentford team that are very well organised, well disciplined as well, um, I thought to get back at them almost right away uh, was a good, was a was certainly a good thing. Um, Sherman was saying we can kind of capitalise on that at least in the second half, but it felt like a very um, Disjointed second half, in my opinion. There was a lot of niggly fouls. Um, obviously, Ezri Conte going down for the last like ten minutes. Um, so there wasn't too much in the way of um, goal scoring opportunities, apart from obviously Watkins. Um, and obviously, Danny Ings had that little moment where I think Wendy slipped him in, but he couldn't quite get his um, feet right. Um, but ultimately, no, I think there's more than enough positives to take from the game, and certainly coming back from a goal down, that's something that Villa haven't done very often in, in, um, in previous years, especially against a team high in confidence like Brentford. And, you know, Really matter. They've been newly promoted. You know, we, we know ourselves what um, what uh, what belief a team can have when um, when you go through the playoffs um, and game promoted as well. And that's what they had um, in abundance at Villa Park. So I don't think Villa fans can necessarily be dis- disappointed with just a point. Um, as I said, that's the first goal Brentford have conceded um, this season. So you know, it's, it's certainly positives to take after the international break, and you know, hopefully we can just start our season from there. Really. Yeah, would um would a negative be the performance then rather than than the result? Because I think we can be happy with the point, but in the manner that it happened, I feel like we'll come on to the goals in particular. You know, Tony's goal obviously we we need to talk about. Um, but I feel like the performance it we we were I know it was Chukwemeka's first, you know, Premier League start. The age we were missing the players, but in terms of performance, I just thought we we weren't there and we had to adapt. Right away, Brentford got us right away. We had to move Young inside. We had to make some yeah. adjustments up front. You know, we that that was a situation caused us by an away team, a newly promoted away team, and with all due respect, Brentford, I know, can ask the questions of us because of the difference in physicality, because of the belief they have, because of the results they've had as well, and the defense. Mm-hmm. You know, their, their application of defense. You know, in the, in the first three games of this season, I just felt the performance could have been better, and I don't know what in particular could have been better. I just thought the intensity. Was lacking and really pleased, John, that we um we bounced back when Dior unlocked them. We got the goal. We got you know as as you say the first goal that they've conceded all season as a as a as a newly promoted team. So brilliant. I just thought we lacked that you know intensity. We lacked that you know get up and go, and we had to be provoked into a reaction. Even yeah. then, was the reaction good enough in your eyes? Yeah, I, I think the reaction was good enough. Um... You know, because if Danny Ings scores his goal, then it's, it's a different game. And all of a sudden, yeah. you know, the whole end's bouncing and we've got a different sort of belief in this one hell of a cauldron for a, for um, Brentford to then come back themselves. Um, but I just think in general, when, you, when you're missing Tyrone Mings, who's, you know, conducting it all from the back. And even someone like Jake Ramsey, 
just as number 10, because I think that's exactly how we can unlock teams by having that, um, you know, creative force behind Danny Ings. Um, with all due to respect to, you know, kind of Chuka Maker, as a 17 year old, we can't expect him to kind of take the game by the scruff of the neck straight away. Um, and I thought that was lacking, having that free midfield without someone directly behind um, Danny Ings, maybe linking with El Ghazi and um, Buendir on the flanks, because they didn't seem to have too much of the ball, at least in the second half, in my opinion. Um, in the first half, we looked lively. As I say, straight after the goal, we looked like we could um, almost flip it inside about 30 minutes. Um, but we didn't. Fair play to Brentford. I thought they were, you know, again, they um, they kind of quieted us down, really, after Danny Ings' chance, um, which was obviously good save by David Ray. Um, but I think, yeah, the reaction was was good enough, but ultimately the performance wasn't. Um, but I think, again, if you, if you compare the managers after the game, talking to Thomas Frank and Dean Smith, Smith was certainly the happier, um, which surprised me in a little in, in a little way. Um, but at the same time, that's um, a raw reaction after the game. I think Smith was just happy to see the back end of it, um, whereas Thomas Frank was much more um, prickly, should we say, and certainly wanted <laughs> to win that game. Um, but also, you know, I think we can judge the performance, of course we can, but when you've got, say, John McGinn not there, um, your vice-captain and your captain not not playing and players still coming back from injuries, Matt Target, you know, still getting up to speed. Um, different players. Wendy only had an injury a couple of uh, couple of weeks ago as well. So by no means are we full, uh, a fully fit squad, um, a fully energised squad either. Um, if you took these last three games in isolation, Watford away, Newcastle at home and Brentford at home, you'd probably hope for nine points. Um, but because they're the first three games of the season, um, I think you've got to take a different outlook on it, really. Um, but I think there's parts of the performance Dean Smith will be happy with. But certainly, I think, as you say, James, there's certainly bits there that um, that need to be worked on. Yeah, it almost feels, it, it can feel like almost friendly football at the, the first few yeah. games of the season. And you know, across the Premier League, there's been issues for not just Aston Villa. There's been, you can see Arsenal rock bottom. Tottenham have a nine-point lead over Arsenal. Three games. I know it's only three games into the season, but you know, we some people would have said that was coming. But there's issues for, for teams are plenty at the start of seasons. Right, so Aston Villa aren't alone in that. It's just I think fans wanted to see a new era engage really quickly. But I think realism is could be a rocky start to the season. It hasn't been the greatest start to the season. But look, we're only three games in international break to go. We can reset, regroup. Hopefully we aren't too affected by what's going to go on in that international break. But I, I guess we'll come to that. But I think that the most disappointing thing about the performance was conceding that that type of goal, John, because it comes from, we've been buzzing about the set pieces, you know, and I know it isn't directly from a set piece, but it's still that set piece situation. Still had your big defenders up there. And I know it brings a question of, do we leave these guys to mark even Tony? Do we go at Brentford and pressure him after that first set piece was was cleared to the to the side. Mm. Even Tony's unmarked in a box, and I know it's a back heel that kind of finds that space for him. Their main guy. The guy who's going to get the goals from this season, the most goals, Premier League calibre striker, is unmarked in a box, and it's all too easy for him to score, John. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a simple case of ball-watching, almost schoolboy stuff, wasn't it? <laughs> um, you can allow... You can allow um, little errors like these over the course of the season, of course you can, but it's disappointing when it happens um, inside the first, you know, 10 minutes of the game, seven minutes of the game. Um, obviously, didn't get the ball cleared. The ball comes across, a little uh, flick, and then um, Tony, to be fair to him, great finish, but that's what you got to expect. The guy scores 30 goals last season, didn't he? Um, yeah, he's going to need to explain that celebration as well. What was that? Did he throw up a Z? He certainly did. Like it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch it back because I've watched. A, I have watched the goal back. I just thought I can't be 
looking at the celebration, you know, because I hate yeah, it. Yeah. Like, yeah, people get really wound up when it's the only place I can go to celebrate in front of the whole end if you score, but you know, it's just yeah, it yeah. always gets me really wound up for like unreasonably. Yeah, he knew that as well, didn't he? I think his agent's a blue nose, so he, um, so he put this but hey, the guy's going to score goals this season. Um, it's a shame he had to um, spoil the moment, really, for himself. But um, I quite liked him before then. I think going back to the goal, though, uh, just touching on the defense. Uh, sorry, the um, the set piece coach, um, Austin McPhee. Uh, um, Smith said himself that he's, he's, he's not just come in for um, attacking um, set pieces. It's also, yeah. is also defensive. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think there's too much blame you can put on him there because yeah. it's 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 ball watching. No one's picked up. The thirty goal striker in the middle of the yeah, it's, it's not like Austin McPhee's went lads leave it either turn for it like it, it's <laughs> no, exactly. just a game situation, isn't it? Exactly, and he would he would have wanted to defend that himself. Austin McPhee on the edge of the technical area, um, but no, again, yeah, sloppy goal, sloppy error. Um, but is it? I don't want to try and excuse it, but is it to be expected at this early uh, early stage of the season when we haven't got our when we haven't got our defenders back? Axel Tuanzebo is obviously making his third debut for the club now. Um, but again, schoolboy stuff. Um, you need to get the ball um, clear on the first stage, let alone the ball coming back in the flick on and the goal. So disappointing in the way we um, in the way we conceded. But again, just to go down the other end and um, find the space, carve them open, and score ourselves. That's a positive, and it almost takes that sloppy error um, out of the game almost. But to then not go and win the game, I guess it just magnifies their goal, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you feel like we lacked that kind of organisation? I mean, clearly we, we did because it's organisation that cost us it. But with Tyra Mings obviously absent due to that that rib injury picked up, I think Dean Smith said last week, but yeah, padding in, in the last game in that area. So, yeah. you know, who knows? But with him missing the match and uh, look, Esri Kahn's Ashley Young, Axel Transabi, Emmy Martinez, very, very vocal. Um, when they want to be. Um, when that goal went in, it was just finger, fingers were being pointed in different directions. So either a lot went wrong or simple things went wrong. But at the end of the day, they scored from a situation where Villa could have done better. All pie in the sky stuff. Do Villa concede that with Tyra and Mings? Um, it's obviously hard to say, but he would have probably been throwing his body at the ball, wouldn't he? Um, we know what Tyra Mings brings to the squad now. Um, so the thing of, you know, you don't know what you have until you lose it almost. And that's what Tyra Mings kind of showed by not being at the game on a on a Saturday afternoon, but do we, would, does the goal go in? We, we obviously we, we we don't know that. Um, but he's certainly a massive influence on the squad, um, especially in defensive sequences, as you said from um, set set players, and obviously just open play more more generally is the one play you can always hear. And we know um, how loud he was uh, during the whole ninety minutes when when there were no fans. So yeah, big miss. Um, hopefully he can recover. Um, after the international break. I'm not too sure if he's going to go away with England now um, because of his broken rib. We'll see. I've, Dean Smith said that, he's, that we gave him injections, we gave him all sorts just to make sure he was um, pain-free, but he was he had too much discomfort on the um, Friday. But yeah, clearly a big miss. And that goal probably epitomises what he brings to the team almost, isn't it? Um, yeah. A big block um, and, a, and a vocal presence. Organisation, as you say, is a massive miss, really. Ah, oh, I mean that being said, if Villa Prop might not concede that one, but then there's even Tony latching onto like like a casual back pass. So we can't we yeah. do we don't know what would have happened, but that isn't a slight to to Konza and Twanze because I think in, in difficult circumstances Konza led by exception. Twanze be yeah. you know, I can't remember him putting too much of a foot wrong. I remember him getting beaten to the ball up, but I also remember him making up for that and, and giving that clearing block and not allowing Brentford any dangerous situations. To my mind, was that the best chance Brentford had to score from 
and they they buried it. They didn't have any any better chances. What what do you think? From memory, yeah, uh, I would have thought so. I'd, uh, there wasn't too many clear cut opportunities, and I don't think Emmy Martinez has been been um, particularly worked too much in any of these um, in any of the games so far. In in terms of uh, Newcastle, had the one clear opportunity with a uh, with Callum Wilson, and obviously he's come out and given away the penalty for that Newcastle game. But in terms of shot stopping, there hasn't been too much room to um too much room to do. It's either been passed him before he knows it, or um, oh yeah, not not too much work. Uh, but again, that's probably credit to Villa. I think Brentford they 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 set up not to lose the game, but so Thomas Frank was very um very annoyed that they didn't take three points, and that clearly shows you that uh, they're always looking on the front foot, always looking to um pounce on counter attacks and create opportunities themselves. Um, Sergio Canos as well um, said after the game about how Frank always wants them to, to take the game to the opposition, um, score goals, create opportunities. Um, but yeah, you know, Villa, fair, fair play. They didn't really leave leave the back door open on too many other occasions, apart from um, the opening seven minutes, which again is that's what's such a shame because it's the opening uh, spell of the game. You want to be you want to be going into the game and fully focused, but it didn't quite seem that we were. Yeah, I feel like if you're perhaps more awake. I don't know. Brentford made it hard. They had the two kind of you know, you and um, even Tony, in my eyes fitting a, a good chunk of Premier League teams starting for a fair few of those as well yeah. and pinning that defensive line back and it is a, a debutant first you know I know Twanzobi played against um, Barrow but it's the first time that we've had these two centre back in a, in a Premier League match um, so you know there's difficulty there there's difficulties in the midfield there's difficulties up top with a lot you know the rotation that had to be made after that goal because Ashley Young was brought into kind of a, a flexible position I would say yeah. um did you did you catch what he was doing because it's to my eyes it looked like he was lining up in defensive midfield then box to box then as a 10 it's all over the place uh Ashley Young was after starting on the flank yeah when you was going to say when, when the team came out you'd presume that Buendia would take a number 10 role and Elgarzi and Young would be at least occupying the flanks which one I'm not I'm not too sure um but even after the goal, it looked straight away that it's uh, an Ashley Young in the centre of midfield alongside Douglas Louise and obviously your 17-year-old Carney Chukramaker. Um, but I think Carney himself was always pushing on um, wherever I noticed him. His average position was always just behind Danny Ings um, from you know goal kicks and, um, and dead ball situations. So clearly Smith wanted him to push on and didn't want to play him almost like a two with uh, Douglas Louise. So for Ashley Young to play there, to be honest, I don't really think he um, put a foot wrong. He's, so he's got all the attributes to play in that role. Um, he's up and down. He's up and down. He's energetic. Um, he wants to get forward. He's clearly got quality. Um, so I don't think um, he had a bad game, Ashley Young, at all. But I think it's certainly a, a, almost like a nod to what Smith thinks of Maker in terms of can't see him playing alongside Douglas Lewis as a two. If he's going to play in the Premier League this season, it'll be in that number 10 role. Um Maybe coming in for uh, Jacob Ramsey. Obviously, we've got Buendia that will presume will play number 10, um, depending on where you choose to play Ollie Watkins and Leon Bailey during the season. Um, but yeah, no, Ashley Young, for me, played really well. Um, again, he's an experienced head. He rarely makes mistakes. Um, and he was certainly good uh, for Triple Maker on the day. And Smith said that after the game as well. He, you know, fair play to Triple Maker. He didn't let anyone down. Um, and he's certainly going to learn from his peers. And on, on a match day, who better to um, play alongside you than... Ashley Young, 20 years older as well, which is crazy. Truly a passing of, <laughs> the, of the torch, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, it was, it was good to see Chukamaker. It wasn't like the you know, a blinding performance, but there were some things that clearly need to be fixed. But to be playing that age in a Premier League game and you're putting in a 7 out of 10, 
I feel like it's a, like that's a great start. You can only get better. Um, even in the match against Barrow, you know, exemplary. And those are the games where Villa usually struggle. And look, at, you know, you had you Cameron Archer as well playing a blinder for Lejean mm. Bidace, playing a blinder as well. Those are the games where Villa rotate and really struggle. And the fact that they look so senior and so experienced in that yeah. game and they can one of them can then come to the Premier League and, and play a decent performance. I know it's not the 10 out of 10 that people you know want to see constantly to replace like a Jack Grealish type, but it, it's a great start for him, I feel. Not like the, the best start, not the Wayne Rooney, remember the name. It's good <laughs> enough for Aston Villa, John, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I think you make a great point there as well, James. Between the Barrow game and this game, the only difference is, of course, the quality of the Premier League and also the speed. But for Chukamaker to stand out against Barrow, they were a very, very physical team in League Two, and we all know what League Two is about with all due respect to the division. Um, to stand up and not be beat in that game um, says he speaks an awful lot, and to then come into the Brentford game and not necessarily feel out of yeah. place. Uh, you want always looking for the ball, uh, comfortable. We want to take his time on the ball. You know, obviously he's going to be pickpocketed when he does that every now and again. But it's great to see that he has that confidence and self um, self confidence in his own ability. Um, but to compare how he performed against Barrow in terms of standing out against properly, you know, physical midfielders, much more um, experienced and probably wanted to just get his ankles all game to a Brentford team that are very quick, um, very athletic themselves, and the game is being played at a much quicker tempo. And he didn't look particularly out of place um, throughout the sixty minutes that he got. I think that says an awful lot about him because. We know that in two years, if he can t- continues to get this Premier League experience, um, he's going to be much sharper. He's going to be much more quicker with the ball. And that's that certainly bodes well. And maybe that's why Smith kept him amongst the group this year instead of putting him out, loan, out on loan. Sorry, Because he knows that he can play in League Two and he knows that he can play to that level um, and, and influence a game against much more experienced sides with much more physical players. Um, so keep him in the Premier League, get him, get him up to speed. Uh can he be quicker with the ball? Can he move on quicker? That's certainly what he'll um, want to do himself, Chukamaker. And it's certainly the player that we know that's in there. You know, it's only 17. Like, if you think about it, it's crazy. He was 16 years old um, last year. That's It's mental. The guy's still a teenager. You know, there's not much we can expect um, from him. But to put on a show that he did, um, I thought, you know, it bodes very well for the future and fair play to him. Yeah, I think... Um... Brentford were always going to bully him and, and target him, but I think yeah. did as well as he could in in the situation. And look forward to seeing him more. I look forward to seeing yeah. Jacob Ramsey back in the squad. And Aaron Ramsey as well on the on the bench says Cameron Archer as well was uh, unlucky not to come on um, due to when Konza was a uh, was forced off. So a lot a lot yeah. to look forward to actually. But do you feel that this solves a midfield problem that there appears to be at Aston Villa? There is a uh, there is no shortage of bodies to play these midfield roles. It just seems there's a shortage of specific abilities that Villa might seem to be missing. And we all know Nakamba can do a defensive job, but it looks like fans want to see not only a defensive midfielder, but someone who has a an ability to play the ball. So it doesn't separate your team into two banks of defensive yeah. and attacking players. They want a specific midfielder. Yeah, But with Morgan Sanson, we have barely seen Conor Harahan's on on the way out on loan to Sheffield United. Is a is the latest report. Villa aren't panic buying. I would I would, don't think that's the right word. They're not pushing as hard as people might want for a midfielder. Do you think that's down mm-hmm. to what Dean Smith sees in not just Chuck Omeka, but Jacob Ramsey, Morgan Sanson, and John McGinn, as well as Louise and Nakamba? Yeah, I think it's absolutely down to what this uh, to what Dean Smith wants and what he already has. I think he's very trusting with. 
the players you've just mentioned there, Marvellous Nakamba, Douglas Louise, um, John McGinn, and the rest of his squad in midfield. I don't see another player coming in, if I'm totally honest. I think if this is something that we wanted, we would have already done it. Because um, there, there's no shortage of them on the market, is there? You know, you likes of Angisa, Cech Decore, um, other players too. Even, Ang- uh, sorry, not Angisa, um, the Brian midfielder. Bissouma. Of course, yeah. Maybe he's out of our league at the moment. Who knows? He's probably good enough to be playing in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, I think if we wanted it, we would have had it by now. Um, it's a debate if we need that, that's for sure. Um, certainly fans think that we do. Um, but does that overload your midfield? Possibly so. And I think Craig Shakespeare said himself, he doesn't want to block the pathway for these youngsters. Because um, clearly we see so much in Carnage of Kameka. We see a lot in Jacob Ramsey and Aaron Ramsey. Um, and maybe fans want instant you know, instant European qualification, instant success. And if we look back again to what Tyron Mings was saying, maybe the season isn't the European season and maybe it's another building block to what's, you know, clearly a bright future ahead for all the young players that we have. Um, so again, I don't doubt that in, maybe in January, if we need something, we'll go after it. Um, but I don't think the club really want to panic by um, and bring someone in that they're not happy with, where the fans are happy with it is a completely different you know, question. If Dean Smith doesn't want it, then the club aren't going to buy it because we know where that gets us. Um, from back in 2015, when Tim Sherwood wouldn't particularly want a certain player and the club would recruit them instead. And then you've, your manager's left with a player that they don't know the quality of um, or don't trust, perhaps. I'm not saying that would be the case this time around, of, of course. But we know that if they, if Dean Smith would like a player, i.e. an Ollie Watkins or a Leon Bailey, um, then the club go out and get them. So I trust Dean Smith myself to um, to make that decision. And as I say, for Craig Shakespeare um, as well, you doesn't want to block that pathway for the for the young stars that we have. And these guys, uh, is, you know, Christian Purser said um, best sixteen year old in the country. Uh, Carney Chukmaker last year. We're seeing what Jude Bellingham does at sixteen and seventeen. If you give Carney a season in the Premier League, who knows what you know what level he'll be at next year as well. So you know, I don't I don't doubt the the club of clearly got it in their mind um, that these young guys can can go on the stage and perform. Do you think it's a case of maybe trusting the plan then? Because maybe there's a feeling that Villa needs something. There's a feeling that there might be another, they need a need for another addition. But you, you can't kind of discount Villa's recruitment ability and what it's done in the past and what it could do for him now and whether they trust in what they've got. They need to see Morgan Sanson play as well. They need to, they've already, they've bought essentially a summer signing early and he hasn't even had the benefit of, of playing that much football early, which is, which is a, a really odd one because they did say Sanson was someone that was eyeing up for this summer. So they clearly knew a midfielder needed to be there, but whether Sanson's the right type to match what fans think the hole is in the squad is I think where the question marks are, but I feel like we could be in for a season of consolidation. But we haven't seen a full strength Villa, which is exactly. you know you know a few a few games into the season, John. We haven't seen Leon Bailey play play more than a you know thirty odd minutes, probably even less than that against against Watford. We haven't seen Morgan Sanson. We haven't seen Chukwemeka develop into the player that I think we all know he's going to be. So there's plenty of question marks to be answered by football. To be fair, so. You know, cards on the table. If uh, a midfielder is offered tomorrow who fits the bill in in what we think uh, someone who's had got the defensive ability without sacrificing going forward, is it is it worth displacing Louise Nakamba, a pathway for Ramsey uh, Chukwemeka, even a pathway for Sanson? Is it is it worth that? Because you look at the type of midfielders that we wanted and Angisa, 
off to Napoli on a probably on a lot of money um, with, with a potential for you know that that European football straight away. Mm. That's not really there for Villa, is it? And the, it's doubtful from the, the noise they're putting out that there's even that opportunity for a midfielder to come in and take a starting role. I'd have to fight a lot of players yeah. for it. Yeah, and that, I think the point being as well that we're probably not going to, if, if you're bringing a midfielder, you're going to have to shift a couple, aren't you? And we're clearly not prepared to do that. Again, if the fans think that's right or wrong, that's their opinion. Um, but the club have got their own opinion. If that's Dean Smith's outlook on his own squad, then I don't see how we can really argue with that. Um, you know, Nakamba um, only been at the club for two years and, you know, whether fans have their own judgment on his um, capabilities or what he can do um, that the players can't. Again, that's up to them. But I think the main point is that there's so many youth players coming through the squad now and they don't they just don't want to block that pathway. Um, and if the player that they want isn't available on the market, there's really not a whole lot the club can do about that because the last thing they want to do is bring in a player um, and they don't adjust to the league as they first hoped and they don't perform. And then that's another player on the books, um, you know, in amongst the midfield ranks that already contain about six or seven players. Um, and you, you mentioned James there about um, Samson. Uh, he's obviously had a rough couple of months himself with you know, adjusting to a country, a new, a new, a new league, um, bringing his family over, which people seem to forget about sometimes. This, footballers aren't robots. They, you know, they come to a new country during COVID as well. Um, he gets a long-term injury. So it's, he hasn't worked out for him so far, Samson, but that's nothing against his ability. Um, and I'm sure that when he comes into the team, hopefully after the international break, he's fully, training, uh, fully, fully back into the training now. Bodymore Heath. So hopefully we can see what he's made of. Um, and we know he's got quality. He was in the Champions League last year. You know, we, we, we want players, um, or we've been linked with players that um, would like to play in the Champions League themselves, and we've just got one. So, you know, again, let's reserve judgment on Sanson and wait to see how he plays when he's fully fit in a in a, in a fully fit Aston Villa team as well. Because you say we haven't we haven't seen Ollie Watkins, we haven't seen we've only seen 10 minutes of him linking up with Danny Ings, we've barely seen Leon Bailey. We've only seen Buendia fit for two games. Um, we haven't seen so many of the players as well. Tyron Mings getting an injury. Bertrand Trower getting um, an injury. You know, So we've been very unlucky to start the season. Um, and that's no fault of our own players. So I think it's one of those where we get past the transfer window now. We can fully reset, fully concentrate on the season ahead. If we can make a European push, then brilliant. If not, then we can consolidate. And then I don't want to jump, jump too far. But then you've got another summer transfer window to build if we need it. So I don't think we need to panic by between the next 48 hours, basically. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of head scratches at Villa. You know, I don't want to spend the entire podcast speaking about transfer situation. But Frederick Gilbert, you know, aimed at by Fulham and then Olympiakos on loan. And your right back covers already starting. For Aston Villa on the wing, if not on on the uh, at left back, so yeah. plenty of questions. But I think with how Villa have been over the last year and the stuff that's obviously happened in in the summer with the big departure, there's a lot of questions that probably need to be answered by football, and then we can raise them again in January. But I, you, know, you can't discount the fact that there are just so many questions that fans have over the the, the transfers at the club, not in, in a negative way, just like. It feels obvious, but maybe maybe it isn't. But I digress because maybe a few um, seasons ago, the Villa of the past, they don't react so well to that that even Tony goal. And there's a player that we brought in, Buendia, who sparked, and, and Danny Ings as well, who got the assist, who sparked that that reaction. And instead of a game where you're looking, oh, it's 1-0, yeah, potentially 2-0 if, if, if Villa don't get him 
get back into that game and kind of shut Brentford up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a game where Villa lose their footing in that transition. Um, whereas now we have that footing and we, we've got the point that we probably didn't deserve. Um, you know, we, we, we've, we've, we've got the win you know, against Newcastle as well. We, we have got the, the four points to, to build on. Where there's questions, where we looked okay in patches, where we've looked bad in patches, but, you know, it's it's a, it's a sign Villa can, can can move forward. I think, John, so Emi Buendia, new recruit, gets us back into the match. What did you make of the goal? Really well-taken goal for Emi Buendia. Yeah. He, made, he made it look easy, to be fair, because on the edge of the box, you're always prying out for player to shoot, and then he just takes out his stride and strokes it into the top corner, didn't he? Um, Matty Cash as well was... Barking down the wing, wasn't he? Um, shouting at Wendy here from for a layoff because he was in a really good position, and then that drags out Rico yeah. Henry, um, distracts the defenders from the ball, and then you say strokes the top corner. Um, brilliant goal, and that's just a glimpse of what Wendy can give us because he hasn't had too much of the ball in the in his uh in his games for Villa so far. Haven't really seen too much of him, but if that's anything to go by, then we're in for a really good player, and that's um you know first goal contribution. Um, plenty more to come, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a sign that recruitment worked. We got we got that goal. We bought the goal back uh, against Brent. We should have bought Rico Henry, just so he didn't he wasn't playing against us. We should have bought him out, uh, as a left back cover national young guy. As the uh, right back cover, then all these questions would have been answered, mate. Um, feel like it was a dry game for me. I had no signal, so I'm just chilling at the, the pub before random it and taking it all in, which was rare not to be glued to your phone and discussing yeah. the lineup and going going a bit mad about it. Um, but for me, the big kind of talking point for the match, not just the goals, it was a match wasn't really here or there, was it? It, it didn't seem to get the flow that uh, both teams would want. Maybe not so much Brentford, but definitely Villa because the referee seemed to be a bit, I mean, I've got to stay professional here, but I, I was, uh, you might notice my voice is a bit croaking because uh, there was a certain chance being aimed from my quarter towards the uh, the referee. Um, you can't blame him for the result, or but... The match didn't have the flow that I felt we were all expecting these games to have. You know, a lot of fouls are getting, frankly, not whistled because the flow of the match was being interrupted probably far too much in seasons mm-hmm. gone by. Lessons have been learned probably from the Euros in the summer. But this one was uh, probably the 2019-2020 of refereeing rather than the, the 2021 refereeing we've expected. It was yeah. stop-start. Things were being blown for that shouldn't have been blown for. Then things were being blown for that weren't. You know, it was it was all over the place in my opinion, John. And you know, as our Aston Villa correspondent on the day, I, I assume you've got to remain more professional than me. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on the performance of the referee on the day. Yeah, I, I think in general the rules, as you say, they're bringing in now, James. Um, I think it's hard for referees in a way because it it almost confuses it again. Because I think in the first half, when you know the crowd are fully behind, you know, well, both teams obviously two sets of fans. Um, and I think a lot can go because um, players are very physical in the first half. It's all energetic. It's very frenetic. And I thought that really helped the game. You know, two goals in the first 14 minutes. The ref was it was letting a lot go. But then it comes to the second half and players are a bit more tired. Fouls, in my opinion, look more obvious because if you're getting tripped, um, running at half the speed, you're probably running in the first half. It looks more obvious. And then more loose balls, more loose touches. So I think fouls more generally are more obvious to spot in the second half. Um, but it was very stop-start, I thought. I think, especially in the last 15 minutes of the game. Yeah. Apart from the Ollie Watkins chance at Villa had, um, that we, we really couldn't get, get that last 15 minutes push that you would normally get in front of a halt end. We didn't really get that. We didn't get the luxury of it. And a lot of that down was down. A lot of that was down to the referee, I thought. Um, but he's refereed the game and how he sees fit. Were they fouls? Potentially they were. And it, was, it was a very niggly game, in all fairness. 
Um, so I don't know if there's a whole lot we could say about the referee, but I think more generally it's just the rules that are quite hard to understand again. We want the game to flow more like it was at the Euros, but then, you know, a referee seems to take two outlooks on a game in the first half and the second half. Um, you know, there's certainly a lot of bookings. There probably should have been more bookings, in my opinion. Um, but not also, it's a very niggly game, especially in the second half. And I think that was a large reason about why we couldn't um, take advantage in the end. Yeah, uh, disappointing. I think another disappointing note, of course, was that the match en- ended with eight minutes of injury time directly due to an injury to, to Wesley Conza. Um, I'm not sure we've heard a great deal about that, but he did walk off without aid. If the worst is confirmed, it looks like a almost a master stroke now to have signed in Axel Twenzavi. And uh, I know Pat's not on today, uh, PGR Analytics, but it looks more like that he might be filling in the short term. Uh, at centre back rather than defensive midfield, so a more natural position yeah. for uh, for Axel if you know Touchwood. Yeah, yeah that, we don't want Edwy Conza's injury to be a, a long term one because he's a pivotal part of the side at this point, John. But what do we know oh, yeah. about Edwy Conza? Uh, we obviously, know nothing from the club. Villa uh, rarely put out their injury news unless it's a press conference, which is fair enough. Um, but again, there's not much we can say from it. Uh, obviously, walking off pain free is okay, but. Um, well, I don't know if he's paying for it, but he's walking without support. Obviously, we've seen um, Virgil van Dijk walk, walk off without support and then miss, you know, months and months of football. Not yeah. saying it's anywhere, anywhere near as bad as that. We can't um, tell, but I think is is, is where, where you're going. Obviously, if he's stretching yeah. off with oxygen, it's probably not good. <laughs> yeah, that's but boring. if he's walking yeah. off, you could you maybe take a certain sign from that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think the point on Twins is a good one as well, because I think when Twins ever came in, we all thought, well, why has he chose Villa? Why has he not gone to Newcastle? He's not going to play at Villa. But it's it's almost um, it's funny how things play out because now he, he might get a little run in the team. If Concer is injured, obviously we've got an international break now and hopefully Concer will be fully fit um, by next week. Um, we'll see. Again, we don't know anything on that. Uh, but if 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 not, then Tuanzebe is more than adequate replacement for Concer. We know that. Concert, I mean, Tuanzebe is a top player. Um, where, where he would get match minutes um, in a season was fully reliant on injuries, to be honest. Um, and maybe this is his break. You know, you never know. Twins ever could keep Contra at the team. Um, unlikely. But you wouldn't put it past him. We know the uh, levels that Twins ever can reach. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, another uh, kind of disruptive note then, of course, is the uh, fact that Emi Buendia and Emiliano Martinez have been uh, allowed to join the Argentinian, the Argentine uh, national um, football team for their uh, their matches this international break. Um, of course, that's kind of caused disruption um, on the political side of things because of their uh, listing under England's kind of travel guidance and the fact they are playing in, a, I think it's red list countries at this point. Um, whatever you make of that, it's still a situation that Aston Villa have to contend with and allow. Um, it's of course has caused a uh, almost a diplomatic spat between FIFA and the Premier League as well as well as the, the EFL who haven't allowed certain players to attend. Um, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because Buendia, of course, probably hasn't broken through into that first team as much as um, Martinez has, who, who's now seemingly a legend of Argentine, uh, Argentine international football, uh, standing you know on the shoulders of giants there with, with Lionel Messi. But you know that, that they, they have broken. You know Martinez has broken through, and their, their place is there that they want to keep and progress and 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 be a part of that that international football team that wants to do so much better than it has done in, in recent years. And of course, play alongside Messi playing these international football matches. I find it hard. You know, the club versus country argu- argument's always hard, but I, I find it hard to 
turn down that opportunity for them, despite what's going on. Uh, if you catch what I mean, John, yeah. I feel like you might have a different opinion here, but if it was me, it was a really difficult one because you've got the Premier League saying they and absolutely no, because it's of a disruption it could cause to actual fixtures um, outside of the international break. But I don't know where where you stand with this, John. I've, I've seen some fans are furious, some fans are like, yeah, they got yeah. you know, let them go. They've earned the opportunity. Um, yeah. I, I feel like it would be hard to block them, to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree. I say fair play to them. Um, I think the compromise that they've made with the club is very good. I think to only miss one game out of a possible two is a f- very fair compromise. Um, and I think ultimately a lot of fans have, you know, questioned why they've done it because Villa paid the wage, Villa, you know, are the employer. But no player would sign a contract with a club with the agreement of not playing for the national team. They sign that contract knowing that when an international break comes and they're selected, they will go on international break um, with their country. So to then not allow a player to do that would be harsh, in my opinion. I understand that it's COVID and we all have to be extra safe and careful, but they're only following rules by self-isolating for 10 days afterwards, so I don't really buy that argument. Um, and after the Cop America, when Emi Martinez wins win, wins the tournament and stars in it, Messi calls him a phenomenon. I can't pronounce the word, phenomenon. Um, you can say phenom all... like me, just say, I, I just cop out with phenom. <laughs> phenom. Um, then we all claim Emi Martinez as our own and we all say, you know, that's our champion. And But then when it doesn't suit, um, some fans can can say, you know, well, we shouldn't be doing Argentina duty instead. So I think it's when it suits, it can, you know, it, it causes a bit of disruption now, of course. But I think ultimately fair play to them. I think they want to represent their nation. And I think it's a positive move from the club as well because this is only going to, put the club in good stead in years to come when we're giving out new contracts to players will be, you know, fully, fully in favour. They'll be fully in favour with us knowing that we've, we've allowed them to, to pursue their dreams of representing their country. Um, and for players like Emi Buendir, he could be representing Argentina with Lionel Messi uh, at Qatar 2022. Maybe that he wouldn't have had that opportunity if we um, didn't allow him to travel. So in my opinion, fair play to him. They're only, they're only missing one game against Chelsea. Um, and I think it'd be very harsh for us to say no to them. I know a lot of clubs have, yeah, and that's their own that's their own call. But I'm glad that we've come to a very reasonable compromise. Yeah, I think fans picked up on a tweet. I think by the by either Argentine news outlet or Argentine um, FA saying that it was probably uh, causing a conflict and that they would actually play in all of the games. But we'll have to wait and see because I'm pretty sure okay. if there's been a compromise. Villa have said and the word that comes out is a fair compromise and Tyra Mings has yeah. said the same so I think we'll wait and see but I feel like it won't it, that they'll be let back fairly early they'll, only, they'll play the majority of games but obviously let back for the one that, that is causing a problem but we'll have to yeah. wait and see John but a more positive international news of course ignoring the seniors is that Jacob Ramsey of course has been called up for England's under 21 squad they play uh, Romania in a friendly and then they have a U21 championship qualifier versus Kosovo that's Jacob Ramsey then called up as one of England's under 21 midfielders and he's not alone because there's a fair few actually to go through England is none in the under 18 squad if you go to the under 19s you have um, Carney Chukwemeka Philip Marshall and oh I don't think there's anyone else in that squad. It's a really difficult... Aaron Ramsey, of course. Um, oh, when yeah. I see the name Aaron Ramsey on an international team sheet, I always think <laughs> of the uh, the other Aaron Ramsey, but this is England, not Wales. Yeah. England's under-20 squad, of course. Kane Kettle-Hayden, 
and Jaden Philogene Bidais have represented across all at like, most levels of um the England international setup there yeah. from um senior all the way down, John, which is as we're throwing forward after this inter- international break, hoping for better times. You got an under twenty one player, an under twenty player, under nineteen player, you know. Can't argue really. and an England player. Hopefully if Mings is, is attending. <laughs> um can't argue with that in my opinion. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I think that goes on to the point again about do we really want, do we want to block these players and their pathways? Um there's plenty of talks well with, for example, Philogen Bedace. Um, do we need another winger to have almost three wingers per position, two wingers per position? Um, but you can't forget that these guys, you know, when they're given opportunity, more often than not, they're probably going to take it. And you, we'll never see them until they're 21 or 22 if we don't give them the opportunity this season or next season, um, the seasons after. But no, it's brilliant to see, you know, young lads getting in getting in the youth teams, um, speaking to different uh, people uh, um, at Villas Academy and other academies across, West, across the West Midlands as well in the last year. Um, they're all buzzing about the talent coming through Birmingham now. And there's a second city. Um, which is obviously great to see. We haven't had it too good uh, in the last decade, actually. But now there seems to be so much coming through. Um, and that's a massive, uh, a massive well done to Villa for investing so much into the academy. You know, Nassif Suarez and Wes Eden's, you know, really looking at it and uh, using the academy as a massive, um, as a massive positive for the club. And again, it's in the reason we don't have to spend, you know, 200 million every summer when you've got these young lads coming through um, and developing at their own rates. And they've got their own qualities, their own, you know, uh, youthful exuberance, and bringing that into the team. There's nothing better than that. I think Emmy Buendia said after the, after the game um, at the weekend as well about how much of a lift it gives all the uh, all the senior players as well to have these young lads um, buzzing around, wanting to learn different things from them. It gives everyone a massive lift. So yeah, it's only a, you know a positive thing that we have um, all these young stars playing for England as well. The future is very bright. Aston Villa, it just might be not the October future, more so the uh, 2022, uh, you know, March future, January future. We'll, we'll look forward to it, though. It's a really exciting time to be a Villa fan, in my opinion. I can't. I do remember hyped academy sets and, you know, your Callum O'Hare, your Rashawn Hepburn, Murphy. Going further back like that, when, you know, Chris Hurd, Gary Garner, everyone, Dalfons were, were breaking through. I remember all the hype and... You have to say, over by and large, the fact that a lot of footballers come through the Villa Academy and then earn a living playing football is is a really positive sign. If we can yeah, boost yeah. that now to earning that living at, at Premier League level, which it looks like a good set of them might be able to, fingers crossed, um, they're, they're putting their best foot forward. It's going to be a bright future, John. But um, I just wanted to end on a quick note about Brentford because I know it, it was a... Uh, a bit of a dry match, um, actually, in terms of you know analysing and, t- and talking points coming from it. it. It seemed like there was more kind of controversy over refereeing decisions, injuries, mistakes, uh, rather than the actual game play. Um, but I just wanted to end on a quick note. Um, how can you sum that match up in in, in three or four words? Oh, you put me on the spot there. A decent result. Oh, fair play. <laughs> mine, mine, was, <laughs> mine was silly little game. <laughs> there we go. Love that. It just was. It's just it's just one of them stupid little. Premier League games, August. Some it's like the, yeah. the Paul Amadez when he was unbeaten into the first international break, absolutely buzzing. You don't win another game since, and he's sacked like in February. Yeah. And so, <laughs> look, um, we'll, we'll take the we'll take the even foot in one 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 across the board. One win, one draw, one loss. Plenty more yeah. to come, and plenty more to improve on. I think as a result, um, hopefully deadline day answers a few questions. If not, got to trust in in the squad. If you're not trusting in the manager and trusting in recruitment, you got to trust that the squad can hopefully plug any perceived gaps um, because there's a lot of football to be played between now and the next transfer transfer window and even now 
Villa could pull off a surprise as money to buy a midfielder. They've said, even though they're not interested in a Curtis Jones of Liverpool, as money to spend. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if any offers come in and if they're worth um, thinking about it for Aston Villa. We'll see if they, they put any offers that are worth other teams considering as well. Um, but it would be nice to, to have that deadline day signing that isn't, unfortunately, for him, Paul Habasa. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we'll have a, hopefully someone who can make a bit more of an impact, fair play to him. Um, but yeah, John, thank you very much for coming on today and uh, some up Brentford. Me the international break and the, the, the transfer window um, you can follow us both at Gemma Rushton there and at John Townley 11 on Twitter it's at Claret Blue Pod to follow the uh, Twitter of the podcast not just us and yeah again up the villa thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you all soon thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa up the villa